Podcast begins now. Yeah, you're getting too predictable, George. I hate these. <laughs> I, I'm, these are you just are horrible. coming a mile away. <laughs> uh, did you, though? Did you? <laughs> so, right. we're on task. We're here. We're present. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. We're cognitively aware. <laughs> Somewhat. Yeah. Uh, Speak for yourself. Yeah, whatever. Movies. Podcast. <laughs> we do it. Australia. Sydney. How is that not the title of our show? <laughs> yeah, whatever movies. Yeah, we, we thought we'd be smart about it and do some sort of pun or whatever. I think that captures you know. our mood better. That was yeah. that was back when we did have a George's Star Wars corner. It's back when we had movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's back when we had a soul. Optimistic oh. days, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Again, speak for yourself, George. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about some stuff. We got mm-hmm. some movie book club, club later, courtesy of your boy George. Ye- Something a bit freaky, something a bit fun, um, and you know some other crap along the way. It's gonna be great. Um, I'm gonna listen. I'm going to uh, go first for what we've been watching. Please. Um, I haven't been watching anything, but I'll tell you something. George's like coffees or something before these episodes. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something that I saw a great interview with the patron saint. Something happening there. We're doing it doing it the podcast begins again yeah. intro two <laughs> welcome the phoenix rises <laughs> we just had it we just had a recording for an hour and a half gold i might add uh, until we realized that the camera wasn't on ben can't do maths i can't i don't <laughs> understand time and i There's don't a know clock if behind he... <laughs> george and i think i can read it but and i don't know wrong. his if his mineral categorization is on point gold i don't know i'd say it's more of a like a shitty bronze or no, you know no, no, some no. kind don't... of like I need you to have Tin, faith. aluminium. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I watched this really great um, Mike Flanagan interview today. And this guy is just so normal. It's, like, absolutely <laughs> charming. Mm. Um, but watching him talk a lot about Dr. Sleep um, and his process. And um, one thing that happened with um, – I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'll just mention it again because it's just – so fucking mind blowing is Gerald's game. Mm. The head, the the act, the um, <laughs> the lead, the lead actor. Um, she had the, the, basically the script and the agency that Mike Flanagan was with had two versions of Gerald's game script. One was an adaptation from a decade before or something, mm. and this actor, so something, someone got swift swapped along the way. To the point where this actor had signed up not to Mike Flanagan's script, but actually to this other adaptation that had gone lost along the way. Anyway, they're working together on this movie mm. for weeks, mm-hmm. for six weeks of rehearsals. They're working together and there's just these points where he's thinking to himself, she just seems a bit weird. <laughs> There's just something a bit off. Very creative, though. Yeah. And then it got to the point where it was like a week out and she goes um, something like, but where's this character? And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> but where's this character? And he's like, this character's not in the script. And um, I think they were working remotely. And he goes, can you send me a picture of the front of the script? <laughs> And like that, she sends him the picture, and he's like, "Holy fuck, we have been working on this movie together with this lead actor mm. who is." And everyone's seen Gerald's game and Mike Flanagan's vision. 
that character is owning 70 to 80 to 90% of that movie. Mm. Can you imagine the fucking dread and the fear that this man was experiencing in those moments? Like, holy fuck, damage control, man. She ends up getting the other scripts. It all falls apart. She goes, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, end up finding me in that final product. And then they end up getting... Um, sorry, her name's escaping me right now. Mm. Uh, but she... Like, I couldn't see anyone else in the role, really. And Mike Flanagan said the same thing. I couldn't imagine that. But for me, it was just such a humanizing um, thing to hear because when these movies roll out, there's just so much elegance about it. It's like you don't want to know about the hard work that went involved. It's you sometimes wanted- surprising to think that this wasn't planned from the beginning, particularly with there, – there's certain directors in which you just have this, I guess – intuition about it or you just have this feeling that like of course this is planned mm. like you know you, you like the idea that that's not who was initially cast mm. or like that, that this wasn't who it was written for just seems you know patently absurd mm. um you know guys like flanagan definitely um gives off that vibe um villeneuve um yep. nolan these are all people that s- seem to like have their shit together when it comes to how they structure their movies but anyway, just to hear this kind of story and just like the damage control and the fear, um, it really is just a, he seems like a really cool, normal dude and, and, and um, just has a really nice creative edge to him. Another thing that he mentions in this about how poorly Dr. Sleep um, did at the box office mm. and how devastated they all were. Mm. Um, you know, they really? got a really healthy budget on it. Um, everyone, it tested really well. And yeah, it just didn't fly, but... You know, if you're going to make a movie that does well one way or the other, you'd prefer like critically and reception wise, surely than commercially. And he says he literally through his reviews like, and he internalizes them all. He wow. says he can't help it. And he says he owns it. And it's like this thing, he stares up in the ceiling and it's like, you know, um, he's such an interesting dude. And he, he just seems like very human and like, I don't know. He seems like very sort of everyday kind of dude. Mm. Now this, this interview, Georgie, where mm. did you, where did you hear this? Um, I was actually yeah. there in the audience. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. They took me on a drone, just picked me up from my balcony, yeah. whisked me away. Was it a podcast of some kind by any chance? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. It was actually not the, uh, the, the, uh, the, <laughs> the podcast that I like. <laughs> really? A lot. A, a different yeah, one. A different one. He, he went over all that in the King Cast. Yeah. I, so I really he, he actually repeated a lot of it in this other one and mm. he went through some other stuff with, um, Dr. Sleep and, mm. and, and, and also like he talks a lot about how Dr. Sleep, the book, like he's like when Stephen King starts that book, he's like, um, just so you're aware at the end of the shining, the overlook hotels burnt down, you know, Jack Torrance saved Danny Torrance. Like he clears all the air from mm. the Kubrick version. It's kind of like, <laughs> I love that Stephen King, like kind of like yeah. fuck Kubrick mm. in a way, you know? And Mike Flanagan was like, that's the visual language that everyone's used to. We have to have the overlook in Dr. Sleep. Mm. But the way he elegantly put it all together is at the end of that film, spoilers, is, you know, it all burns down and whatnot and everything's in the flames, which was almost like the end of Stephen King's Shining. You know, so Mike Flanagan, he's a very smart guy. You know, he's able to... You just see, he seems to be quite self-aware as well. Mm. You know, he knows about these adaptations and... It feels like if a horror fan like us... Had the chops to... Had the chops. <laughs> like decided to pursue that, that career and, and 
with with you know talent, I suppose. Well, you know, um, you, oh, it's, uh, I'm so sorry to interject, but just totally on that point is that he he was trying to option scripts and really get in the industry the traditional way, and he's actually an editor by trade. He was working for five or seven years or something just doing reality TV. Wow. He was editing oh. reality TV, and you know what he said? He said, oftentimes this shit had nothing in it and we had to in the edit bay creates the drama mm. these people weren't actors the scenario was flaccid nothing had been scripted there was no emotion and they had to with music edits zooms and stuff Learn a so lot. he said you know through that entertainment and comedic aspect the reality tv essentially has you know he learned a lot about constructing a scene and ebbs and flows so it's funny how you know you can think that might be time not well spent, but you know, there's an upside to everything. Honing your craft. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd just fucking, you know, get on my knees for Mike Flanagan because he, uh, he's and top tier for so. me. He's top tier for me. Well, right. speaking of him. Yeah, uh, I'll go, I suppose. Um, uh, I monstered through Blind Man. You in did. In like two days. Mm, nice. I am. Um, you know, I've taken this opportunity while I'm, um, you know, staying away from home to um, get through a lot of horror films. This is a very convenient new time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't get enough of Blind Manor. Um, in ways of a review, without being too specific or, or, um, or anything, I, I loved it. It is... Definitely slower than Haunting of Hill House. It's definitely less scary. Um, it doesn't exactly follow the same um, uh, structure, mm. um, but it follows it close enough. Um, so it didn't feel like a, a direct repeat, but maintained the general theme uh, with it. Um, and then it, it did some... It did some very interesting things, I would say, about episode five onwards. Um, things that I don't think I've ever seen a horror film or series really do. Eight um, episodes or ten episodes? Nine. Nine. Um, huh. it, Flanagan. <laughs> there's an entire episode, and I think it's episode eight, that just it explores an aspect of a haunted house that i don't think has really been explored before and i'm sure someone's gone and done it yeah but this it just it was just super interesting to have it laid out so clearly um that's good to hear you you get you got a lot of value out of it because i've hear, heard mostly middling or slightly disappointed from a fair few people on that one i think a lot of people would be disappointed by the the scariness because it's not that scary yeah it practically does not feel like a horror story for the first five episodes i've watched and nor for does the it most feel, part no, nor does it feel like it after that either. Mm. um very gothic very slow yes it and it's it's not the same kind of like mind-blowing oh i see how it comes together type that that was in Haunting of Hill House, right? I mean, you're setting a fairly high bar if you're talking Haunting of Hill Just House. Just a bit. <laughs> but um, Flanagan only directed one episode in this, right? 
I believe so. Yeah. He he was obviously the showrunner, but yeah. but I mean it, it it definitely still has his fingerprint on it, and mm. uh, I definitely wouldn't say that's a detriment. Right? Like I think that this is this is a different thing, mm. right? And the 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 show actually addresses that in the um, in the last episode. It gives a cheeky nod to the fact that it's not quite what you expect, and that it's kind of it, it even gives us a nod that it has sold itself as something that it's not and kind of corrects it in the last episode. Cool. Um, which I thought was really interesting, but, um, yeah, I would say overall, I, I, I was really impressed with that and, and I really enjoyed the series. Any negatives? Um, Do you think most of the negative comes from expectation? Almost all of it. I would say. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to think, I gotta say the acting was awesome like there's two kids in this that i mean you you usually like have a lower bar for kid actors but that was not necessary if you could choose two words to describe their performance what would they be uh if you could use two emojis that you splendid Um, no, perfectly. Perfectly. Splendid. Splendid. So, I, I yeah, could, I, yeah. that's why I put you on the spot. Cause I couldn't yeah. remember it. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly splendid. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I'd highly recommend it with the caveat that go in with a little bit more of an open mind. Don't go in expecting more of the same from haunting of Hill house and don't go in like expecting it to be really scary. That's good advice. Um, I've also, um, watched, uh, the first three episodes of uh, the Comedy Store, which is on Stan in Australia, I think Showtime in, in the states. Jesus, it's like a documentary on the LA club, the Comedy Store, and it goes kind of from inception, um, and it follows the the history of this place, and kind of the it has a commentary on the state of comedy in the states. Um, since like the early seventies, um, and I gotta say it's really interesting. Like it's, <laughs> um, it's uh, it just it, like it, it's kind of weird that there's this entire subculture, um, in the seventies and eighties that I just, I, I feel like I, I this is just something that's never talked about, and I don't I don't know anything really about it. Um, so they're just kind of working their way up chronologically yeah um it is one of those um documentaries that releases each episode week by week um so i've basically run up to three episodes and and i'm now gonna have to wait until they finish or they they release the other one but um Mm. so far it's really interesting documentary cool uh the other show that i watched um at least a little bit of was um uh, the cabin with bert kreischer which is a new netflix series that uh I didn't understand any of the words you just said. But <laughs> I'm really suspect on that dude, eh? <laughs> um, I except the fact that that other dude fucking put MDMA in. He he. Um, what is it that's, called? That's hugely suspect. Right, right, let's, that, let's dial it back. Ari let's Shafir dial it back. Guy, let's dial it fuck, back. Fuck Who are we talking Ash. about? So, right, fuck name, Ari <laughs> Shafir. I'm going on record. Fuck that dude. He, his name is um uh, Bert Kreischer. Yeah. He's uh he's in part of Joe Rogan's gang. Yeah, that that circle of like Tom Segura. Bert Kreischer. Um, I don't need Bert. their names. Carry on. Um, <laughs> I don't need their names. And his his shtick is that he he goes on. He, he he's kind of like a storyteller. Takes off his shirt. He's a big party guy. Um, party guys. 
know, right? He was like he he won some competition of being like the biggest partier of two thousand eight or something. Cool. And then he kind of just took that into comedy. Uh, yeah. Um That's literally how he started. <laughs> so wow. the the yeah. um the uh the show, the premise of it is that he basically does too much stuff, right? Um because <laughs> he's incredibly busy. And and so the premise was that he was gonna go to a cabin, he was gonna invite his comedy friends out there and he was going to try and get better. Um, cool premise. First episode is really fucking funny. Uh, he, he brings out... Is this reality TV? Uh, yeah, yeah. He is like he's himself in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the first episode you go out, it's um, Tom Segura and Joey Diaz. Uh, it is, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And I was hooked. Segura is like, hilarious. I was like, this is going to be great. And then episode two comes around, two and three come around. And it's like less funny people that he's brought out to the cabin yeah. and far more scripted. Like it, it, like you can just, he does this like segments where he talks to his wife over Skype and you can almost like, you can almost just hear the script rustling in the background as they like check their lines. Fuck yeah. Um, Authentic. Which, which I gotta say was really disappointing because. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, no, because I, th- I I think that that he is at his funniest when he's when he's kind of riffing. Like him and Tom Segura have a, a podcast the bear, together, the bear show or whatever yeah, it's called. Which can just it can produce absolute gold. It's like really funny stuff. Um so I was kind of disappointed that it, it seemed so so structured and it's um it, it brought to light how spoilt we are with TV now. Because I go back and I watch like reality TV and I can't stand it. Mm. I can't like, can't watch more than like five minutes of it because it's so scripted. It's so like manufactured and there's no kind of. It's mindless, but sometimes yeah. it's good mindless. I've never come across a reality TV show, at least not that I can think of in like the last 10 years that I've been genuinely vested in. Not even that knife one, like finding the best knife cutter. I want to pretend you didn't say that. Um, do you watch any like reality TV? Let's or move swiftly on from reality TV. I can see the disdain. I really don't. No, like right I now. watch like a lot of YouTube. So yeah. you know, a lot of direct to camera kind of stuff. That is okay, probably more akin to documentary work. To, to, to put way based, too, yeah. put way too much of a analysis thing on, and opinion on 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 YouTube. But um, yeah, no, I no. God no! I, like I, I will see some of the friendly Geordie's um bachelor recaps or whatever yeah. it is, <laughs> and yeah, I it's horrific. Like I, his uh, commentary is funny on it, but I still can't make it all the way through those videos. I don't want like, like I don't want to be judgmental to people who enjoy these things because like what you like, and you know, not everything I watch is exactly like high culture. But um, oh look, mindless fun. Like is, what you like fine. and dislike what you dislike. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fuck that fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just seems like a waste of goddamn space. Like if we could just direct redirect those resources into anything else, I'd be much that, happier. I think a lot of people would look at something like Tetris and be like, "Fucking, you could you can spend yeah, better but that's, uses of your time." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's high art, goddammit. That's um, when I, I realized is. everyone didn't love metal. It was a sad fucking day for me, but that's the reality yeah. of it. You know, everyone is into different shit and. Enjoy what you enjoy. I mean, like if, if you can if you can get some enjoyment, that that's fine. But be open for criticism. Like I'll call you the fuck out. You know oh, what yeah, I like, mean? Like I'll come at you. Reality TV is mindless. Yeah. 
garbage. Yeah. But if that's if you know if you want to watch, but there's that real estate one on Netflix that I was watching the other day. We watched four episodes. It was mindless garbage that I needed. <laughs> like I needed Sorry, that real shit. Estate. It was like uh, it was like this bougie ass real estate agency in Hollywood, and actually no, it wasn't. Where was it? it was the Hamptons? Sorry, it was the Hamptons. And um, there's all these like preppy ass motherfuckers selling like big houses, and they're all one upping each other, and they're all just like it's great. It's you know they're just they they're all like they're all very intense judgment from this side of the they're very unlikable people, and I think that's why it's interesting to watch but well, after those four episodes are done i'm like i i, I can't go back to this. you guys know me with tv series <laughs> i'll sit there for that given time and then i'm out That's it, yeah. you done with the psycho pass was it uh still going the anime yeah still watching it yeah about halfway now of 26 episodes are you slowing down no going in about four a week okay four or five a week hold on keep it up yeah. I'd love to see you finish it. I will. I will. Season one, though, I'm out after that. If you finish season one, I will watch season one in one day and we can do a review. Sick. I promise you this. Really? Yeah. Before any time frame on are this? There, are there enough hours in the day? If, like, you finish it, if you finish it this year. This year? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. What's, I'm on track many, for that. How many episodes is it? 26. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying you were halfway and you were on number 26. So I was thinking like 52. I was like, Jesus. I could, I could do it. With Netflix's handy double speed feature. Yeah. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, yeah, I think I can leave it there. Cool. All right. Um, Connor, if I ever hear you disparage Tetris in any way whatsoever, <laughs> again, even tangentially, <laughs> even. He's uh, going to bring a knife in, to in a weird episode. devil's advocate way. I'm not saying that I think it's. A even waste of even time. in trying to, like, hypothetically, like, <laughs> I will glass you on the show. Um, so, what have I been watching? I finished up season two of The Boys. Um, which again, this is just such a weird situation for me because as I've mentioned, I don't think I like this show, but I finished that season uh, well before I finished Bly Manor, um, which I was enjoying very much. So I, I just don't know what's going on there, but, um, it's been confirmed for season three. Uh, it feels like it's becoming more in the public eye, um, as yeah, time goes it's... by. You guys have been talking about it much more. You guys completely ignored the first season at the time. Um, <laughs> I look, hmm. I will keep watching it. I'll say that much. I will definitely you keep sold watching out, it. man. Yeah, you fucking I don't, sold I don't know. out. I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it anymore. I'm gonna have to really collect my thoughts on that show so I can deliver something coherent. Um, otherwise, something I'm much happier to to absolutely rail on. Um, I watched a uh, a Netflix film the other night with a friend when we were just like cruising around looking for just anything to put on um, a romantic comedy called A Nice Girl Like You. Um, I won't bother going into any fucking details about this movie. Um, all I want to say is that it, you know, people come out of movies, movies that get released in theaters and stuff. And they're like, oh, that was terrible. That's the worst thing I've seen. What a waste of time. This movie really reminded me that there is no flaw to how fucking bad a professionally made movie can be. Um, like I will come out of a movie. If I'm upset about it, it's because of a lack of ambition or a waste of potential or, uh, just, you know, laziness or, or some little things plot wise, but this movie just felt like ineptitude. Like it's one of those ones you're embarrassed to watch. And this is, I think this is like a Netflix original film. Um, and it, it's like, even the editing just felt like, it's shocking wow, like reality like TV editing. Obviously that people actually put some effort into that and they are actually able to construct something that is at least watchable. Whereas this, I was like, fuck, like in between shots, people's arms are just moving in crazy ways. Does it give you hope though? 
When it, when I see what? that shit, I'm like, <laughs> I think at some stage I'm gonna try and put something together and try and pitch it to somebody mm. and see. Like th- that's what I see. There's right. like, There's the, the is there is opportunity? There. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. no, it, just you know, it doesn't me. mean like everything's at Mike Flanagan you, level. You I'm sure. like, I'm I'm doomed. But it, mm. isn't that the question then? If you're not at Mike Flanagan's level, do you have any business being in the same? Yeah, exactly. It's a really good question. Like, I, I feel like if you if you don't believe in terms of like, and I, I kind of more think about this in, in terms of if you're providing like an artistic product out into the world, if you are not, I, I find like those kinds of projects are ones that require your art mm. and like half-assing it. Like if I'm going to put something out into the world that other people are going to critique and other people are going to mm. like, you know, I, I just feel like, you better be bringing your A game. Yeah, hundred percent. Of that, see, I got way more existential with it. For me, it would just felt like something that was made by people who don't care for people who don't care. And I was like, I wish everyone held themselves to a higher standard when it came to art and literature. Both consuming <laughs> like, and damn. yeah, creating. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's just like, what? What is the point of us making and watching all this shit if it's just like mm. passing the goddamn time? Yeah. It's it's funny you mention that because we um we've been doing got an awful lot of research into like wedding venues recently and the three of us because we, yeah, yeah, we are all getting married to it's each other hot. Yeah. um <laughs> and uh we've watched <laughs> we, we have watched like a, a good chunk like a good like breadth of wedding videos that range from really well done like really professionally edited Music, you know, makes sense. Some and bad that. shit out there, huh? Holy <laughs> crap. Mm. So the people that get dejected from the job of making that movie clearly go and make some of these wedding <laughs> videos. Because we watched one where, like, the first 30 to 40 seconds, you know that kind of shot that you catch the light through, like, leaves or through, like, grass. Yeah. And then maybe have, like, a subject in the, yeah, in yeah. the kind of middle. But you're doing the, the, the focus. I don't yeah, know the if depth, a technical. depth of field. Yeah, you know, so you're going. Shall, shallow depth of field. Yeah, yeah, so you're going out and in, out and in, yeah, out yeah. and in, and kind of, like, making that, like, oh, I can't quite catch yeah, the yeah. light, can't quite catch the focus. Yeah. Starts out with that and then changes angle and does the exact same shot with the depth of focus and then changes angle, does the exact same shot with depth of focus and it was like the first 40 seconds of like this person doing this whatever it was and i was like this is so disorientating this is so bizarre and then goes from that into like filming actual things like things happening in the wedding and still <laughs> doing this depth i was like oh this person just doesn't know how to focus but isn't that the entire <laughs> video i put this down to the democratization of technology like back in the day you know, if you wanted to do some film camera stuff, you, you had to, to learn dedicated. how to expose mm. film. You mm. know, you had anyone to... Anyone can pick up a film. 24 photos. A, yeah. 24 photos. Like, you better get them right. You're not going to have 5,000... How, you know, 64 gigabytes. So, you know, that that film yeah. that you're talking about, Benny, is a symptom of... Anyone can do it, right? Anyone can My do it. My dad used to shoot weddings on film. Yeah. He said, it, like, he hated it because it's so stressful because you take these photos and you're like, really hope that one turned out yeah. you can't just take a million because you know yeah you've got limited roles, yeah. so it's like how did you get through that whole film though mentally i was mostly just hanging out with my friend yeah. um it was one of those situations where we weren't sitting down to watch a film like yeah. we were hanging out yeah putting, putting on a movie on as well yeah i find it interesting because i i feel like when you usually watch a movie you usually watch a movie 
Totally, yeah. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world that this is something Except I actively wanted to not see. Except when you watched Super Mario 64. I, I, I contest, Look, I contest that notion. <laughs> I contest that notion. Do you, do you, uh, are you saying I made the wrong choice? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm not making any comment on it. Yeah. I'm just laying the facts out. Yeah. Because generally that is true. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank God. Not for this. Thank Christ. Anything else? You watched a lot of that shitty... There definitely is, but um, I can't remember. Fuck it. Should we move on to what is, I suppose, the news? Uh, yeah, is there a yeah. News? We've not really got anything this week. I did want to mention uh, quickly that Jeff Bridges just announced that he was diagnosed with lymphoma earlier this that. week. Um, obviously not something we need to dwell on. Um, he's not dead yet. <laughs> he's in very good hands. But um, I guess I the main thing that jumped out at me was just thinking about um, what an amazing career this guy had before the year 2000 and how much he's just gone from strength to strength until then. And even though none of us can understand a word that comes out of his mouth, he's still making one to two great movies a year. Is he? He is. Have you seen Hell or High Water? No. Okay. He's still very much... <laughs> have you guys not seen any <laughs> Jeff Bridges movies G for the last BPRD? What was that? R.I.P.D. Yeah, which I haven't seen, which I think looks fun. Yeah, yeah, but there's a reason you haven't watched it. He has made some absolutely excellent films over the last... Listen, the guy's still alive. Why are we even talking about this? That's what I just said. That's what I just said. Like, when people have died, like, some very famous people have died, and we've been before the podcast, I'm like... I don't know. It's interesting. Well, we were going to say something about Chadwick Boseman, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Then I fucked that up. One funny thing about Jeff Bridges was in that Mike Flanagan interview is he said he met Jeff Bridges on a plane. Mm. And, it's Kurt Russell. Um, oh, no, sorry. It was Kurt Russell, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, I said. Sorry to take the wind out of yourself. Nah, end the story. <laughs> end the, end <laughs> the story. <laughs> Thank God, Benny. That's why I fucking pay you. That's why I pay you. Shut up. <laughs> not in front of Connor. <laughs> yeah. We can move on then. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, best of wishes to him. I just wanted to put that out yeah, in the universe. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, the only other story I could really find this week that I even remotely wanted to talk about was, um, a, just something that really highlights how weird of a year this is for film. Um, how aberrant and completely strange it is that for the first time in 10 years, the top grossing, um, superhero film of the year won't be a Marvel studios film. Um, I think it started in 09 with Wolverine X-Men origins. Whoa. Um, and since then it's been Marvel studios itself every year. Um, this year, though, it will 100% be Sonic the Hedgehog. As a superhero film. Yes, and this was based on the parameters that he is a super-powered being, which is absolutely correct up. watching yeah. the film. Nah, nah, yeah, but, nah. what, what, but what, else, what other superhero film has come there's out? There's no competition because this movie made over $300 million worldwide. Um, there must be something else that came out this year that's superhero. Not that it's done better than that. Um, so no, 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 no. But Sonic the Hedgehog isn't even in this ballpark. Like, that's a video game movie. It, it he's a superpowered character. No, 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 he's no, a superhero. No, no. Come on, guys. Come on. I've already made the thumbnails. This is all we've got to talk about. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But they, don't you think like don't you think it's don't you think it's odd it's getting categorized in that way? No, I think he's a superhero. What else would you categorize it as? It's a video game movie. It's like saying Wreck It Ralph is a fucking superhero movie. But, but if you're saying Birds of Prey is a superhero movie, then I mean, whatever, you know? It's all Wait, wait, open Sonic game. the Hedgehog, yeah, the little blue dude? Yeah. That one. Whoa. <laughs> Video game is just the medium. It doesn't actually define what the character Come on, is. guys. Come on. Look, I'm not... I'm not it's you, like, you it's like Prince of Persia is not a video game movie. It's just a medium. No, come no, it on, can dude. Be, it's it a can video be both. game oh, movie. It can be both. It can be both, for sure. And it, it is both. both. 
Yeah, I got, no, I disagree. Look, anyway, I, listen, I, we, in, in a, I, I completely a, disagree. And to say Sonic a Hedgehog is a, is a superhero movie is mm. madness. Uh, that look, honestly is probably the maddest thing I've heard in 2020. Have you seen it? No. Mm. It, I no mean, way. It, it's good no weird because me and Connor have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm like in a sound authority on this. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I completely take your point. I, this was just the headline that I kind of followed. And I'm like, that is really interesting that this year is so fucked up that they have to stretch that far to find something which, you know, you could say totally. is not a superhero film. Yeah. That's the only thing that even qualifies I would say Tenet is more a superhero film than Sonic I would not, but sure. 100%. Yeah. The protagonist. The what? The biggest, the protagonist. <laughs> that should have been the, the name of the film, the protagonist. <laughs> the protagonist. Wow. <laughs> the protagonist. Fuck. Come on. Top tier. Um, it is. It is a weird. I mean, if you think about what he can do things in reverse, released, you know, shit. What's actually released this year? It is a bit bizarre to think of like the just the. It's hard to even think of that movie as being in this year. That yeah, was before yeah. everything happened. Fuck. Um, I've got something that this is a li- tiny little piece of mo- uh, news, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I read an article that uh, basically said that there is nothing in the works to buy out. AMC chains. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's because of regulatory shit or if it's just that no one. This is uh, bad this time is to a, buy. Where's the opportunity? But this is something that we didn't talk about last time when we were talking about whether they would buy it or not. People might just be looking at it, going, "That's not a sound investment." Mm. Yeah, you know, it is a medium that has been declining, admittedly, and you know, I think a lot of us want movie theaters to stick around. And we can probably keep that industry afloat if, you know, if we get rid of coronavirus sometime soon. But, I mean, it do, it's not really a growth opportunity. It's like the Jazz Lounge, right? It's like, you know, Jazz Lounge becomes a more of a niche thing. But back in yeah. the day, you would go and there would be a band there. You know, big bands were huge back in the day. You know, it's just things evolve and it's hard to like when it's, you're a child and you, the paradigms are so infused, mm. you know, like your, you know, it's like your brain goes from more fluid to crystalline as you get older. So it's like these changes. It's like, what? Movie theaters? People don't go to movie theaters. It's kind of like, it's kind of mind boggling, but it's like, mm. it's, it's the it's world evolves. Yeah. Exactly. You know, theater, for example, I'm sure if you go three generations back, you know, there was a lot more thriving plays, theaters, because that was the consumption or the media consumption at that point in time. And it's more of a thriving industry. Well, Not just, saying just cinema's people, going that way. It's just, think is about it going to evolve? Music, right? Like, you, perfect example when you're talking about the jazz lounge, mm. right? Like, if you wanted to go consume music, you went out and you watched a live ba- band play. Or you'd you know go to a barbecue where people would bring out. There was no physical media. There's there's no kind of concept of sitting in your living room yeah. and listening on yeah. a stereo or or like walking maybe a radio, but there was no like pl- like a vinyl or like I want to listen to this particular thing at this particular time. That I mean, was not depends, an option. Depends on how far back you go. Like if you go back to like late 1800s. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's just I'm just saying that like that that paradigm shift where yeah. you go to watch movies or yeah. where you go to see music or yeah. how you consume those mediums is going to change and can know, you imagine musicians at that time being like the vinyls coming out and being like what is this going to get me out of a job like no yeah. like they some people would have predicted at that time no you don't have to go to the bar anymore mm. you can watch a full band or listen to a full band in the comfort of your home yeah. i'm sure some people thought 
I'm fucking done. No musician would ever play a song more than once yeah. <laughs> to record it, then it's, it's yeah, good. Exactly. Oh, God, but song. it shifts, evolves, it, it 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 changes, and I think that's what we're seeing now. It's just like seven to ten years of change happening over six months. That's yeah, the thing, yeah. It's, it's, has, has like done that in a lot of different yeah. industries. Like, I mean, just in the whole kind of corporate workspace area, I mean, this has really done a number on how people plan on working in the future for better or for worse right it's, yeah it's it's really been great so um yeah i it it was just an interesting thing that i hadn't really thought too much about before which was that, that just this might be this just might be no one might just look at that as a good investment and then just let it die yep and it becomes like more like um, a passion project for like mm. a big wig or something and they might buy up a couple, you know, like Alamo Draft House or something like that, you know, and it becomes like a cultural hub. My 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 gut instinct would be to think that there is definitely money to be made in terms of if like people have, you have to assume the world will eventually kind of swing back into normality to some degree. And when that happens, I think there will be a like a massive surge in like cinema ticket sales mm. um, compared to where they are this year, which is yeah. like yeah. absolutely dismal. So I could imagine someone kind of coming in and being like, "There is going to be an explosion when all of the 2020 movies come out, all the 2021 movies come out um, at once." But um, like you said, that, that's that could be a huge risk. That so next you know. MCU film's the litmus test, mm. you know. Like if that if that next MCU film. If people come in droves, we're good. Mm. If if people kind of like, oh wait, oh you know, is it streaming? <laughs> yeah. No. Is this really unfortunate? You know, the next one off the block is Black Widow, right? Which is one that people might have frothed over, you know, five six years ago when people mm. actually wanted it. Mm. A little bit more. They should have pulled the trigger on that in April, eh? Shit. They should have pulled. Like I said, they should have pulled the trigger on that six years ago. In April, phase, six years ago. Yeah, yeah, phase one is when people were like, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a Black Widow movie? Yeah, would have been cool. Could have done that. It's definitely not the ace up their sleeves. but um. Yeah, no kidding. Um, should we move on to Movie Book Club? I guess so, unless anyone really has any other milked, grievances. Milked to what little news we've had out. Hmm. If it's, if like, because I was going to say, if there's only one story, you know, news, plural, is it new? Yeah, let's let's, it let's get not. into the new. No. The one new. Movie book, club, movie book club, movie book club. Which one should we start with? I, I maybe possum first because it's sure. it's a bit down, and then we can go up to sure, yeah, yeah. trick trick or treat. Yeah. Give it, give us the reason that you picked this one. Um, this one's been floating around for a while. A lot of people have been talking about it in horror circles, um, getting a bit of hype, and then you know as soon as the dude from the King cast mentioned that he he really loved it i was like we're doing this we're doing this boys um so king cast once again gets a mention gets a mention um so that's pretty much it it's like not nothing nothing insane anyway um let's get into the film uh i think if we if we talk about this film for our listeners because this one was a hard one to find mm. um you know this is a story about uh, a, a a guy who's kind of disenfranchised. So um, he's a disgraced puppeteer that yep. has now come back to live at home with his uncle, uncle slash stepfather figure. Um, and it's, I don't know that you could really 
explain it as having a plot beyond that, per se. Um, that kind of just sets up the rest of the movie, which is more thematic. Mm. It's an odd film. It's an oddity. It is definitely an oddity. Um, and I think that it, if we're going to get right into it, I think it suffers a lot of the same um, pitfalls that um, a movie that we reviewed last uh, last week, Nicholas Winding Refn's film, Vinny Neon Demon. Demon. Yeah. Mm. Uh, very similar in that, in that, atmosphere and theme and um visual uh, but so much different in terms of like the creepiness like i must tell you this was super unsettling for me i found this quite i don't know there was something quite troubling about this one to me yeah as the film got more into it it became less troubling um but towards the beginning i was like jesus christ i had to actually turn this off a couple of times and get really? back into it yeah i just think it was somehow arresting me in a certain way, like the atmosphere. And then, you know, I did a bit of research after this and I can't remember the director's name, but he said he Holes basically wants... Matthew Holness. That's it. He wants to basically create films that's, that Sit stick around yeah. for a bit longer so with do you, you. Do you guys know who this guy is? He worked no. on some TV before, So, So he's, he's been a massive presence in UK comedy for like decades. Okay. The, he's Garth Marenghi from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. You're looking at me blankly. I cannot believe you haven't heard of Darth Marenghi's, uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. No. Um, especially you, Georgie. This is like a, a huge UK thing. Okay. But um, yeah, he's he's written on any number of like UK comedies that you would have known. He's, he's a very funny guy. So to see something this dark and bleak come out of him uh, makes it so much more fascinating to me mm. because it makes it feel really personal in, yeah. in, in ways that I won't bother speculating about. But Yeah, I think... What this film is so effective at doing is creating this just really wretched atmosphere. Like, there's no love in this film. There's no, like, happy little dainty moment. Like, it just feels, like, nihilistic. And um, as I said, I've was I, I've been searching for a film for a while to really creep me the fuck out. And this one ticked that box, man. Mm. It didn't go to that level like Martyrs where I'm like in this sort of like fucked up this is really disturbing you know this is grotesque and and whatnot it didn't go to that level um in my opinion but it was like really like there was parts in this film where i was like i don't know if this portrayal of this character is a constructive thing because mm. i don't know what this character's suffering from from mm. a mental illness aspect and there's sometimes a point in the film where a protagonist can go to a certain level and it gets to a, it, it, you can get uncomfortable or something. And it's sort of like, it goes to a level where I'm unsure of how I feel about things. And the fact that I'm unsure about how I feel about things makes me question stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's sort mm -hmm. of like, I don't have the answer for it, but this film was straddling into some of those sort of questionable areas. And I think it didn't quite go there. Um, In it, a good way or a bad way? In a bad way, but then I think it corrected itself as the story sort of started to unfold a little bit more mm. and you understood the trauma that this yes. character experienced, you know. So this movie is largely hinging on a reveal towards the end that clarifies everything you've seen before. And to me... And do you want to, like, I guess, like, just for anyone who's not listening to this with, like... Like just lay out the spoilers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know? So the the movie is all about like sexual assault 
essentially mm. the the main character was raped by his uncle yep. when he was a child um and there is like a a kid that goes missing um in the story of this and the, the entire movie you don't know if the main character did it or not um if there's some kind of cycle of trauma and violence going mm. on there um watching this for the second time was very rewarding i'm i gotta say um because the first viewing I had of this movie was ultimately disappointing mm-hmm. because it had gotten a lot of kind of hype and interest yeah. from the, the, the film festival circuit. Um, but it was focused. I had tried to avoid knowing anything about it. So my points of interest were focused in the completely wrong direction, which was this terrifying spider human puppet. Um, yeah. And any synopsis of this film, like you said, Connor, like Neon Demon, it's not plot heavy. So when you try and make a synopsis of this film, it's about a puppeteer dealing with a puppet that is doing some weird shit. I'm like, that's right up my alley. That's really interesting. Then I watch this film and it's something completely different. Yeah. Um, and yes, it is very creepy and very interesting, but it's incredibly slow, quite abstract. Um, and like I said, it hinges on a, on a last minute reveal that kind of recontextualizes everything that's come before, so even though it's we, all heavily telegraphed. that? that reveal um i felt as though this movie did a really good job of building this atmosphere this intrigue uh dropping very subtle and kind of ambiguous hints as to what the plot actually is Mm. um and then it goes ahead and just reveals i kind of say in air quotes reveals the um the big twist ending if you want to call it that um with a piece of dialogue, which I don't know why, but I felt kind of cheated by that. Now, I feel like this is how I felt on my first viewing. Second viewing, though, I I got to come to its defense. I feel like it's much less in your face and expository than it could have been. Compared with the previous hour and 20 yeah. minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, compared to that, there was no dialogue in like any of that. It's a shock to the system. It is, yeah. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how I really land on this film coming out of it i mean i I think part of it was i don't know if if i was in the headspace for this particular kind of movie when i watched it yeah i mean that's a big this is one of those movies yeah yeah but having said that i was a fan of this kind of slow long burn um and, and then just to have it kind of collapse in on itself like that towards the ending I felt like I just I wanted a little bit more consistency in that. Like if you were mm. gonna really, if you were gonna, what was the twist that, again? With that the the uncle had, in fact, so there is a, a this it parallels a, um, it parallels a a story of a kid going missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's sort of the suspect. Well, they think it was him. Yeah. And the uncle says it was me all along. Type thing. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and it literalizes what has been kind of hanging over the entire film. Um, which was that this is a victim of abuse and maybe he's now an abuser. Um, but then it, it kind of just clarifies everything we've been seeing the whole time, which, as you said, Connor, has been so understated throughout. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I really got to say in this movie's defense, because like I said, I was quite disappointed the first time I watched it. Last night I watched it starting at about 11 p.m. after a bottle of red wine. Fuck yeah. Um, and I've, I could not tell you the last time I've wanted to sleep in a movie this much. Because it is so slow and there is so little dialogue, um, and would not wanted to sleep, but my body needed to sleep. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, you weren't getting that adrenaline that might come. Mm, up, no, you know, with no, the- there's so little to kind of grab you and shake yeah. you. 
um, except for certain moments. But um, I was really holding on because I'm like, I'm really enjoying this. And like I said, having a, a bit a bit clearer uh, an idea of the bigger picture, um, which I did not remember in, in its entirety, but just having a bit more of context for this film as a whole, um, it really helped it a lot. And then by the when it finished, after the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, I was wide awake again. Yeah. No, it lingers with you. I, I, I tell you what, as this film, I grew to enjoy this film more and more as mm. it went on. Particularly at the start, I was like, this feels incredibly in-depth to the uh, the Babadook. Mm. Like there was parts where he's looking through the book and I'm like, <laughs> this is like B-grade Babadook right now. This is very, very on the nose. Like same kind of very minimalist was camera like style. or something? Babadook was 2013 or 2015. This was 2018. Right. So maybe three, five years. Yeah. But, but I, you know, like that sort of more indie aspect or that, uh, that Babadook has, you know, there's, this has that vibe to it as well. So I was like kind of wanting that originality to come out of it. And I think as the film goes on, that original aspect starts to sort of form mm. and you start to see where this film's going. But utter, utterly disturbing... The puppet doesn't do much in this, but it's just this horrible lingering presence, the idea of this man taking this bag around. Mm. Um, just like his literal baggage. Like it's so on the nose, but it's so effective. Yeah, it's it seems so relatable. I think we've and all it's, had It's those. so clearly him as well, like the, mm. the puppet. Well, yeah, that bit where he's holding it up. Um, and Sean Harris, you mm. know, it's, this is the dude from Prometheus who mm. turns into the... the Weird, sort of, burnt he, zombie. He was, yeah. both, both actors in this were... Were spectacular. Yeah. Okay, so Sean Harris, I find kind of in this performance inherently comedic in a in a way that doesn't detract from the film, but really does. Yeah, I don't know. He's got that funny little grimace on the whole time, and he's got he, like he, he just has, looks so disturbed in this man. Yeah, and he's doing this really interesting kind of childlike thing where he's just someone who's clearly not developed. Um, the uncle though, I can't remember the actor's name. He's fantastic. Alan, he's it's not Alan Joyce, dude. Yeah. He was just like. Like the grime on his face. Yeah. And that voice, that yeah. voice is like, I can't imagine this film working half as well without that voice yeah. kind of hanging over it. He's yeah. so creepy. And my, my friend who I watched this with, he had the biggest jump I've seen him have in a long time, which a lot of horror together at the end when, when the uncle rushes out in the, in the mm -hmm. mask. Um, did you guys get any good scares out of this? That one, because yeah. it's, it's the only, it is the only scare in this film, really. I wouldn't say so. I think... I, in terms of like a proper like kind of jump scare, I would probably, but I think a, it's, a lot of it is so creepy. The and mood, the mood is terrifying. When, when the puppets yeah. moving around and stuff, or you see it in a reflection, I'm like, that is so unsettling. Well, like, yeah, he enough. was. There was the bit where wasn't he sort of going through the water and he's going back and forth, and the camera's following him, and he's imagining the spider mm. or the whatever, um, the legs um, coming out from behind. Uh, a sort of an alleyway or yeah, something. Yeah, when he's going through the school and stuff and it's like yeah. just keeps creeping out after him. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's um there's a level of unfocusedness to this that's quite interesting. Like it's you know, there's there like you know, there's going back to that that's you know, shot of him in the water. Um and he you know, he's gone back to find the the bag. And and literally they're just holding on this shot and they're on the tripod or something and they're literally just going back and forth, left to right. Mm. And there's sort of this off-the-cuffness about this film that I enjoy, like sort of feels like it was assembling itself as they were making it in a way. There wasn't 
okay, and then you say this and then that, and then it's like this Aaron Sorkin, like, quick fire, rapid, like, you know, you could have reordered certain scenes and this film still works in a very similar way. It's sort of, it's more about the feeling than the, this, than um, the details. You could have chucked this movie, apart from the last five minutes, into basically one of those little lottery spinners that they mm. just turn around and, and plucked stuff out and, and reordered it, and it would have still made as, about as much sense. Um, and I love that because I think it's capturing a state of mind. I think it's capturing the psychology of a victim. And I, I think it's so effective in at least, you know, the tone for yeah. that. It, um, well, and that, that it, that's what this movie is. Yeah. It's tonal. Mm. And, this, and it's a very similar thing to that, that I said about uh, Neon Demons last week, which is that, you know, it, it's not a movie that really... It's not sexy it's, like that one, though, you know? Neon no, Demon is just like, it's got ooze, like the visuals are so... Yeah, this is not a music video, this one. Yeah, yeah but I mean, in terms of like why I watch films, right? It, it's for, you know, deep character or, or interesting plot or I need something to really grab onto. And I don't find atmosphere to be something that really keeps my interest. Right? I, I like it for a certain amount of time. I do find myself getting bored after a while because I'm like, this is not. It. This is why I watch music videos. This isn't why I watch movies. See, yeah. it, th- takes this a, is very... it takes a very strong, resilient mind to be able to watch a movie where nothing's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Some people don't possess it. But, but, yeah, this, <laughs> but this does. This feels like a very deep character study in a way. Like, mm. um, I will definitely agree with you. It's. It's very tonal, it's very atmospheric, but it's explorative in its nature and it's it does So is Neon Demon. I mean yeah. like it's you know But that one for me again sexy, slick, shiny. This very one aesthetic. This yeah. one gross, grimy. It's like it's like what Grim. wading through a sewage. Yeah. You know, that's what I feel and like when I'm watching this film. They, they both the, the that the stylistic um part of those movies is what makes it uh, or what adds to that atmosphere, right? And so it's very, when I say they're similar, it's not that they are visually similar, it's that they are using the visuals in a similar fashion. Yeah. I, I, I totally know what you mean. I guess when I think about the emotive aspect, at the, what the piece like ultimately makes me feel at the end, um, you know, just the, the grossness of this. And, you know, I think like if, you know, from a twenty twenty aspect, it's like sort of like exploring the how we I don't know, just the nature of humanity and this poor man's trauma and Do you just know what? This this for me is almost feels too real, I think, in terms mm. of like Yeah. Nihilism and, and I, I, I keep going back to a conversation I had with someone with last week, which was like Oh yeah, yeah. What the prognosis for people with, you know, um trauma and illness and you know criminal behavior and all like you know this kind of lower rung of society that we just think have you know that we can we can fix right and just and and finding out how bleak the prognosis for those kinds of people is yeah there's not much we can there's not an awful lot we can do to help them and that's the word for this movie i I think this might be the bleakest movie I've ever seen. It's it's certainly close. It's nihilistic. And this, I mean, can, you know, it just it for me, it Neon Demon at least felt very stylistic in the sense of like they're getting this kind of nihilistic thing across, but in a yeah. fancy, beautiful way. Yeah. Whereas this one just feels like 
No. <laughs> it just it feels bleak. There was a point in this film where he fell over and there's the mud all over him. And I was mm. like, this film is making me feel like... Dirty. How some people must feel every single day. Mm. You know, and mm. I, I felt like that's the success of this film. Like, I don't think it's a perfect film or anything, but the success of this film... Because I really... I tell you what, I, at the beginning of this, I was like... This is a shitty Babadook ripoff. <laughs> you know, I was already classifying it. But mm. as it was going along, I was like, this is a, an exploration of trauma. And this is kind of like putting on a helmet and going, this is what it's like to feel like somebody who's gone through this for 90 minutes. Mm. Imagine like what that's like 24 hours. And this is this is art. This is mm. this is a creative expression. This yeah. is this isn't like uh, like that. a sort of a virtual reality experience. And I just thing. like to once again clarify that the man who directed this is an actor in Toast of London. Like, this guy is a massive, like, UK comedian guy. And I think it's so interesting that old, this the... this thing... I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, I just know he's isn't, it. But isn't that interesting how much overlap there is with comedy and horror? Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I, I was watching a Stephen King interview today from 1993, mm. and he was talking about... You know, the host was like, you know, what is this overlap? And he, it's sort of like the forbidden, the exploration of the forbidden, you know, mm-hmm. in... You know, There's if, a lot if of it's parallels. not... Yeah, if it's not if it's not poking taboo or something, if it's nice, like it's not going to be funny. You know mm. what I mean? It has to be has to be deconstructive and 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 it's all about push broken buttons, things, right? Like it, no, nothing that is like works the way it's meant to work is funny or scary. Yeah, right? it's like the best stories are always like where things fuck up. Like, oh, we had this amazing holiday. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. Oh, but we took the wrong flight, and then this happened, and then oh yeah, tell us more. That I, I think there's something interesting about that. It's you funny know. you mention that because I think. It, it always it always makes me think about the first time that um, we all went camping together. Yeah. Um, and I had gone camping a lot before. Oh, that. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that. I don't know if you had gone camping. I'm pretty sure um, your wife hadn't. And, my wife. Um, my wife. Hey. Wife. hey. Um, Do you remember that one? No. And, Thank God. Uh, and like halfway through the night, yeah. this massive storm hits the coast. Um, you know, at one point, and everyone, and 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 you, you the, the the fact of the matter is that you missed out that everyone had these real aerodynamic tents that are really low to the ground, and Ash and I are in this fuck off like you had family a, you had bumper two seven story. man, <laughs> this, like, like the one that you take to the caravan park. We were talking to the guy that lent it to you, and he was laughing his ass off because he's like, I've given them a, like a five kilo, like massive family tent. That they're gonna go take backpacking into this like yeah. area, and and he was he was laughing. So who, hard. who 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 lent that to uh, us? Dane. Oh, Dane lent you that that tent. What a lovely guy. From from memory. <laughs> at least. Um, at any rate, so I remember like halfway through the night, like a waking up, like it, it was like it was it was comical, right? Like I walked out of my tent because I hear all these voices, and in front of me is like this like a, over in the bushes is one guy throwing up because he drank up drank too much, like he drank a bottle of wine. Guilty. There was uh no that was um that was me yeah no it was <laughs> no, see I did the wise thing I heard voices outside I stayed in my stayed tent, in the tent. <laughs> it was um and then there was uh, another tent where a possum had gotten in and ripped the tent so they were trying to fix that Fuck up yeah and then I I see you with with this collapsed tent you know with the wind whipping around Fuck. and like uh, and it's just it's it's all like, it, it's it's pure chaos and I look at the other guy that that is kind of a regular camper and I go. I'm cold. Have you got this? And he goes, sure. And I was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. And we wake up the next morning and all I could think of was like, your wife is going to be so pissed. Like this is her, this is her like uh, camping experience. And, and I go to her, you know, how you doing? And all that. She goes, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? She goes, 
this like whenever you talk about stories of going camping or yeah. interesting outdoor stories, they're always when something goes wrong. And now yeah. we have our own story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that makes so much sense. Yeah. No one wants to hear about how you went yeah. successfully camping and, and you know everything went fine. Like a fucking boring story. Tell us something that's like broken. I, I can still remember when everyone gave up on us and like, it's like your tent <laughs> is just literally a wind like vessel mm. and I'm lying point. in the tent and this, the top of the tent is going <laughs> and I'm just lying there and I'm like, I cannot wait for the next one and a half hour. Like I just stopped, I just stared at this, the top of this tent and I was like, with that flapping up. noise that tents do when they get oh caught. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> I had a great sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I that was possible. And like looking at <laughs> it. Because like, when I left, like you guys were still trying to, it was the outside, it was the weathering yeah, of yeah, the tent that, yeah. that had fucked up. Yeah. When I got there, everything had collapsed. It was just like, it, like it just like all yeah. this like. Mess. All the poles broke. Yeah. It was this mess of poles and canvas and like, yep. and then <laughs> seeing you emerge yeah. out yeah. of this fucking. I was so grateful to get the fuck out of there. Oh. That was fine. So that was Possum. I don't know if it was necessarily a Halloween film, but an interesting horror piece. Cert- I think it certainly fits. And I think very successful for what I was trying to do. Mm. Completely agree with you for the last bit, though. Could have been it. Could have been tweaked a little bit more. Hmm. Speaking of Halloween, should we move on to Trick or Treat? So this is from 2008, 2009. 2007. A little four-piece horror anthology, which I'm a massive fan of. But I think what's the big difference between this one is it's not so story one, story two, story three, story four. These stories are kind of running in parallel. And then, hey, we focus on this one for a little bit of time. We jump around to a few. Oh, okay, now we're focusing on story two. Pulp fiction. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we'd watch this one. Um, Had you ever watched it before? Yeah. Okay, so you knew, you knew what uh, mm. to expect going mm. in. Um, a number of years, though. I'd say maybe even yeah. 10 years. I tried to keep myself relatively um, outside of the know. Like I, I knew that <coughs> it was an anthology of sorts. Um. Yeah, it, it definitely a very different beast than Possum or, huh. or anything else that we've watched so far in our horror marathon. Can I tell you how much I love this? Like, Please. I forgot yeah. so much about this. Like, it, it, it was ba- basically like going in blank almost mm. again. Um, but this hit my sensibilities so perfectly, man. This is one particular character that's the headmaster <laughs> that no, um, yeah. kills the kids. Dylan and Baker. it's like, it's again, like the sort of the forbidden, you know, it's like the headmaster that kills kids. You know, it's the, you know we shouldn't really be talking about that. Teachers, they, they, they're supposed to educate the kids. No, this is this, this really odd scenario, oddball scenario that has so much comedy injected into it. We killed Thurman Merman from Bad Santa. Oh my God. <laughs> And <laughs> and him just stomping on Thurman Merman in the grave whilst mm. the old man, you know, is like, what the hell's going on here? Mm. You know, like these scenarios that formed in this were so appealing to me. Um, so this movie bridged on comedic, or is I say is comedic? I'd yeah. say yes. hilariously, like yeah. And I think it strikes a great balance between like goosebumps scary stories yeah. that are kind of a good initiate thing for for younger people but that it's also incredibly like grim and violent and like people die people who do not deserve to die die this was very much one of those uh for me like very schlocky kind of um, it's like a b movie almost it, it, it well it definitely is yeah i mean it's it's 
you know, it's not so. It, it's one of those movies. On it's very self-aware. I, I feel. Hmm. Yeah. Like I think it it's it's playing. To it's playing. You know, you think, oh, all the girls, the rituals happening. Oh, they're vampires. Then oh, they're werewolves. And you know, it's like. It's, you know, American Werewolf in London, the first scene with the lantern, it's all ripped off of Halloween, the opening sequence mm-hmm. of Halloween. Like, it's very much paying homage to the genre and, like, almost like a love letter to the genre. Yeah, it and it, it, it definitely leans into that. Like, the whole ghost story with the buses and the, the folklore and all that. Um, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm always a bit, conflicted with movies like this in terms of on the one hand i love that they're so overtly like b-grade but on the other hand i'm like i I, you know coming off the back of having watched bly manor which i would consider this kind of having this irreverence to the genre of horror which i fucking love and then to go on to this which is like a reverence for the genre of horror I get very it's like whiplash um, for me, and I, I I think I wouldn't call it B grade necessarily. What I find so impressed about this movie for for a movie I'd from, say A grade from two thousand and seven. Really? Um, mm. I didn't spot like a second of CGI in this movie. The production is so on point. Like, did this feel like two thousand and seven? Because this could have been this year. This could have been any year. This could have been the eighties. Yeah. The, the number like, of practical, this, this amazing effects in it. The 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 this shot choices as well. Like, it's mm. not just like it's there's so much camera movement. Mm. On the editing choices as well, mm. this is, but this is definitely but it's a, entertainment. Like, a, like if you compare this to Bly Manor, like this is like Bly Manor. You're not going to be laughing like you are in this. No, and that that's that's kind of what I mean. Like it's it's B grade in the sense that it's very self aware. B grade. I'm I'm, oh, yeah, I'm having issue B-grade. with that. B grade. B grade. B grade movies are movies that are entertaining despite what they were trying to do. This is a movie that's intentionally entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. B grade's like Piranha 3D. It, or it's something. like laughing with it versus oh, I would laughing say that's at like it. Like D grade or like C grade. Well, in in, in the paradigm in, of in there being, in the paradigm of there being movies and B movies, what B movies are, I would say, are movies that are, are funny because they're not goal. trying to be funny. Oh, right, I'll give you that. In with that definition, it uh, yeah, like, let's call it a a grade. In my. <laughs> oh my God. Backpedal, motherfucker. No, in, in my head, A grade movies are. One serious and dark. No, no, not even serious and dark. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, uh, Cabin in the Woods, um, I would consider a grade mm-hmm. because it has a far clearer, like it's, it, it's, I guess more, it's more clever in the way that it it um, presents that kind of comedy, that kind of schlockiness. Whereas like this one feels like I'm being, it's it's fairly straightforward. There's nothing terribly nuanced about this film. I, I mean, don't know. Yes and no. I was really shocked at how interwoven all these stories are. Yeah. Completely because one, like I, I watched this a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, one of the main things, like really, all I remembered about it was that it was a, a horror anthology, mm. which I love watching. Yeah. There, it's always such a roller coaster ride. Um, but this was like really intensely interwoven. Like yeah. you get halfway into the film, and Maggie Grace from the the opening shows up again, and it's like. Oh, that's wow! They're really kind of tying all and this the together. bus driver at the end, the kids yeah, turning yeah, yeah. up. So I had the moment where I realized who Brian Cox was in the last yeah. segment, and like it hits you like, duh, yeah. and that's really cool. That's quite. Perfect. It's like oh, this feels like really satisfying. Like what I will say, and this is where I agree with you, Connor, is like this film isn't necessarily like trying to push the envelope, no. or it's 
it's not necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel. I think what it's trying to do is take these elements of this Halloween or this B-movie kind of thing and present it in the best, most accomplished mm. way possible with a really nice flowing... You know, if you compare Creep Show 1982 compared to this, this is miles ahead in terms of sophistication, you know? Yes. But it's still got that same... DIY kind of indie, you know, it's not like a huge budget kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's what I find so impressive about the, impressive about this movie is that just literally just the production aspect, that all of the all of the the puppets and effects and stuff like they have not aged a day. That looks so good. That's so accomplished. Like the pumpkin dude at the end. Yeah, I I will say that the the werewolf scene where they're ripping off the skin. I got to say that, that was, looks was actually quite impressive. Yeah, that. that's really like, good. and that's the practical effects, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What I what I will say about this movie, as someone who really likes horror anthologies <clears throat> for all their ups and downs, is that I don't think this movie hits the lows or the highs of most other horror anthologies like mm. i'm a big fan of the the vhs films yeah the first two i haven't seen the third one apparently it's garbage but um like there are, each of those first two has at least one segment where i'm like that is amazing and that really actually scared me um this movie didn't have a second that scared me um and i think yeah, all no, of all scary. of the segments are good none of them great none of them bad though as well which is rare for a horror anthology um what I think this movie functions best as is like a gateway drug for younger people. Like yep. if I was 12 yeah. years old and I watched this, I would be yeah. like, that was terrifying and I want to watch more. Yeah. All I was thinking was Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Mm. Yeah. Because that was my gateway into, yeah. into anything scary or horror related. And, and that's, Goosebumps that's, as well. Goosebumps, Eerie, Indiana, yeah. all that. All yeah, they're not feels... scary, but they're, they're, like they're monsters. They're scary things. when you're a virgin for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and it deals with these paradigms like Red Riding Hood. Like everyone, know, every kid knows that. Mm. Um, the, the the evil headmaster. Mm. You know, the bus driver. You know, these. You know, it has very relatable concepts in it. Like the bullied kid. Um, you know, like there is that childlike aspect to it that is so mm. appealing. About this film, like this one, really hits my sensibilities, man. Like the beginning where where he's like poisoning um, the, the kid from Bad Santa. Mm. I was pissing myself, man. Mm. Like I was, I was that, like what, what screaming effect. and laughing. That, like that throwing up chocolate or, or goop or whatever it was. I thought it was Dude, like, it's go and it's going for it, man. Mm. It's going for it. You know, um, I, I really had a great time with this. Um, I, I cannot fault this, this shit. Like, so I, I got to so watch inspiring. The first half of this movie, um, where I was watching it, someone was present who is not good with horror movies and doesn't really like watching them. And uh, she was definitely having a, a much more physical reaction to what was going on. And that really made me think of how good this is, is for people who aren't kind of in that world I too much really yet. I would have really enjoyed watching this with other people. Watching this alone mm. just kind of felt a bit... Mm. Meh. That and less... that's... Yeah, I think that's a compliment to the film because it, it's really something for sharing. Yeah. Um, I think is, if when, when horror's in that more to... entertainment aspect, like you've got like, you know, you've got the blind manners, you've got maybe oh, the witch or the insidiouses, like where you've got, it's like a bit more serious and it's a bit more trying to scare you. That's okay to watch on your own, but this kind of stuff, Hellraiser, oh, Near Dark. Like everyone, like, joins mm, yeah. This like, is ah. a Friday night at the theater. Like, yeah. 100%. Kind of this would be awesome to watch in a theater. Yeah. Mm. Like just getting trashed watching this, like bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when we when are we booking on the cinema? Anything else to impart, Georgie? Fifty-seven dollars a ticket. Did that? Yeah. Okay. There's no. good margins there. No, no thank you. 
Um, <laughs> no, listen, I just... Um, this yeah, do you have a favourite story in it? I think my favourite... Oh, I, uh, I really did like the... Um, I really did like the first one. With Dylan Baker, yeah. I think, like, the simplicity of it. Mm. But then, again, you know, the werewolf one where he comes back and... It's just overall, I found this incredibly satisfying. It hits my sensibilities. Like, I love that anthology. I think probably my favorite type of horror is anthology horror. Mm. Like, Masters of Horror, this, that kind of stuff. That makes a lot of sense, though, if you think about it. Because I think one of the, the, if you have a horror that is too long Mm. and you're actually going for horror, like, you know, diminishing uh, returns. Yeah, it's it's always going to be diminishing returns. Some of the scariest stuff that I've ever watched has been, you know, 20 minutes, 10 yeah. short story with just a big punch at the end. I mean, lights like, out, short story. The short yeah. film's more effective than the Definitely. feature length. What was that one mm. that we watched? Uh, I think it was at a um, film festival last year. Mm. It was an anthology series mm. um, that had one about a dog. And, yeah, I remember, um, I remember. One the about, security guard? That's the one I was talking oh, yeah. about. That one fucked me up. Yeah, what was that one? That was good. It's like ghost scary, stories. ghost, ghost I think it's stories. Called, I think yeah, it's yeah. Just called ghost Martin stories. Freeman, I, right? I think if yeah, I watched yeah. that again, I would get, I would have more because I think we were pretty, pretty critical on that one. Maybe. Like, I, I, I think, just, I think I we were f- fondly though. I like. There's, I liked it. There was the one with Martin Freeman that I enjoyed. tried to tie it all together in a weird, unnecessary way. Oh, that's, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that okay. shat me. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, fuck that movie. Horror anthologies, shit genre. I think that that. I mean, in terms of connectivity, I actually like the ambition of Ghost Stories more than I like this one. Mm. In terms of the connectivity, mm. this one felt like. Really. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think that with this I think one, this one is the most satisfying connectivity I've ever I'm seen. I'm not spoiling anthology. ghost stories, but it was akin to right. a story ending with like it was all a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah. I, oh, Deus ex machina. This this one felt very like Deus ex fuck you and <laughs> every, everything about this one felt like beating me on the head. Oh, uh, like, fuck you, man. You call it B grade, like you're uh, never coming I back from that. It was much I'm more not, subtle than that. Not, oh, it's definitely not. Nothing about that film is subtle. Not, um, not subtle, but like <laughs> not not like like it's just a little bit in each story that kind of connects it to another one. Like it's no different than Pulp Fiction, I would say. Um, in terms of how connected yeah. it is. Yeah. I anyway, I'm not I'm not railing against it. I'm just saying that like I no, stop railing on it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um I I just really want to rewatch Go maybe that maybe I have to change my uh, uh, No, no, we're not doing right. that again. <laughs> the time has come. Mm-hmm. What's happening next week, Connor? This is really difficult. This is your sliding doors moment. Did you, did you, you know, you're Gwyneth Paltrow. Did you get on the train or did you not? You know, this is the moment, dude. Did you choose ghost stories or did you not? I want to go through. And I feel like some of them are too obvious and others maybe not obvious enough. If Um, I watch your movies and I don't like them, I'm willing to give you a second chance. (laughs) No, the one that I'm going to suggest first Uh is very much because there's a backstory on this and that is The Witch. Oh, interesting. Uh, cool. Bold move. I Keen for another watch. The big the big thing in the podcast is that I came out of that movie not enjoying it. And you guys froth over that shit. And I've been very clear about why I didn't enjoy that movie, which was that my expectations were way off when I went to go see it. Yeah. Um, and it just it really fell flat. So. Cool. 
That's a good one. That's there's some history there as well for long time listeners. We'll get into it over that. There's some deep cuts there. Bit of mythos building. Connor will love it and will hate it. Yeah, I, I reckon <laughs> eh. That'd be super satisfying. Oh, this is really tough. Oh no. There's really there's 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 ones that I really want to like chat to you about. Go with your heart. The spirit of Halloween. Fuck. Uh, this is one that I thought of um, right in. It, it was a movie that I watched when I first came to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of introduced me to the sense, the good sensibilities of um, Australian and Kiwi humor mm. was uh, Black Sheep. Go. Cool. So I think I'm going to go Black Sheep. Black Sheep. So two that you've seen before? Two that I've seen before, yeah. Okay. There's, in fact, most of the ones that I wanted to... Is there is there a supplementary reading this week as well <laughs> that we won't do again? Yeah, that we sure, won't do sure. again. Sure, I mean the, the one that that I haven't seen that I was I was interested in checking out yeah. was a new one called La Lorena. Um, oh, the the, the Coast of La Lorena. No, just La Lorena. Mm. Um, oh. So it is a 2020 film. Oh. It's in Spanish. Oh. It's um the 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 thing that got me interested about it was that there was a tag that it, it was like a, a political horror. Okay. And it centers around this dictator that many years later um, is uh, brought to court to answer for war crimes. Oh, wow. That sounds and awesome. Then it, it kind of centers around this like haunting of his house. Where is this? Uh, I, believe, I believe it's on Netflix. Cool. Um, Luckily, it's not compulsory this week because it is the supplementary material. Yep. Yeah, it's supplementary. <laughs> I, that's, and this is why I was struggling because I really want to chat to you guys about Black Sheep. I haven't watched that in like over 10 years. Mm. Really I thought we watched that was when we were down in Melbourne. We watched that a moment ago. Where yeah. was that? It was like 2012 or something. Mm. Last time I had a beer. <laughs> yeah. Last time I had a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sick. yeah, supplementary uh, reading is is uh, La Lorena. Another one I'm going to try and watch this week as well is I'm, I'm really keen to watch this one is Color Out of Space. So hopefully, okay. hopefully I dial that in this week. Mm. Can I also suggest ten movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> while we're at, I just I just have so many. The yeah. Halloween's not enough. One yeah. month is not enough. I mean, having said that, we can definitely like just name every movie in existence and see yeah. how many we watch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you guys will both be zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Cool. Right, gents. Let's see if our outros are any better than our intros. I'm well, gonna predict no. <laughs> Catch boys. Bye everyone.